Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. All right. What's goody, Hot Breathiverse? Welcome back to our weekly Q&A here. We are full strength this week. Last week was just your boy doing the Q&A. This week we have Yoshi So back. We are two yay, working yay. comedians here to answer your questions. Don't listen to Yoshi there. Excuse him for his his insubordinance. We'll reprimand him on the live stream, which if you don't know, we do these every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time in our Facebook group and on our YouTube channel. So if you want to yeah. see the video version, if you want to be involved in these and get your comedy questions answered, join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And now I want to apologize to Yoshi for that terse response to your enthusiastic chant at the beginning of this. I apologize. And it's all right. I hope you forgive me. I do forgive you. Um, I know it's been a rough week since you got rid of your mustache, so I understand that you're going through things right now. So I get it. I, did. I am here with you. I am in full support in whatever you need. Um, as a brother in comedy, I am here. Yes. I know you are no longer used to the roasting that's been taking place in the last couple of months mm -hmm. since you've had the mustache. So yeah. I know it's not a it's it's not easy to have a shift like that all of a sudden. I mean, I roasted you when I didn't see the mustache. I was like, "Who are you? Uh, and what do you what'd you do with Joel?" So, um, well, welcome back. I mean, I think thank you. It feels like yep. you're Joel Byers and not just Joel anymore. So the best way like to start an audio podcast is to talk about the visual cues of the episode. Oh. That's the best thing to do is. <laughs> People listening to the podcast like, oh, okay. So I can see that as I'm driving in traffic or on the way to a show. How do we but, audibly describe a mustache? That's true. They could probably feel the difference in my voice. But I talked about it last week. But those of you who didn't, have you, if you haven't listened to last week's episode yet where I did the solo Q&A and I got into some good topics like if crowd work is ruining comedy which was a very hot topic we're talking about in the facebook group now but uh basically for those of you that want the spark notes i was booked at a casino all week the week before last first few shows did not go great <laughs> shaved the mustache the rest of the shows went great like i literally had to shave Before mustache after mustache. I had to, I literally had to shave my mustache to keep my job. It was literally that <laughs> dire of a situation where I was like, the only explanation is that this mustache is really creeping people out. And it a hundred percent was. So let that be a lesson to y'all out there with facial hair that, um, it could oh, be perceived so one way or the other. That's so great. So I learned that lesson the hard way, so y'all don't have to. So that is why I shaved my mustache, because I like getting booked. And <laughs> I like money. 
<laughs> I like money. And Yoshi and I were actually doing a. We actually did a gig together this past weekend. Yoshi and I like to do gigs together. And yeah. several of you have booked us on your gigs. So if you do run shows or know of shows in your area, definitely DM us on social media at Hot Breath Pod. And um, let's get some dates on the calendar. We'd love to meet y'all and work together. And, For sure. Uh, she had not seen my baby face until this gig. And he was just staring at me before the show. Just like, who are you? Who are you anymore? What happened? Yeah. But the show, but the show great. was great. The show, show was great. Was awesome, man. That you was killed so, it. So you, you destroyed, dude. That was great. That was super fun show. Yep. Great crowd. Mm-hmm. so into it like i mean demographic was at least 90 plus i mean that's pretty much what that was yeah right? it was a pretty solid room. pretty old solid got room. to meet pretty. um uh, well andy gunnan an atlanta-based comic i want to shout out he's he's been out here on the road grinding he's um grinding. he's a he's a young gun in this game but uh he's yeah. an og hot breather and then carolyn we just met hey, from baby. nashville Carolyn Karen, Xavier, Carolyn Xavier, right? Yeah, uh, dude. I didn't know she had a TikTok, but her TikTok is popping, and she was hilarious. Her stand-up is popping. I was like watching this, popping, like, popping. oh, she's got popping, jokes, popping. jokes, jokes, jokes. You just jokes. never. I mean, you literally just never know, you know. And yeah, like you that can meet beautiful. people before a show and all that, but then you see them work, and you're like, oh, like that, like that. Oh, oh, it's like that. Okay. Yeah, she was <laughs> great. She had very well-written material personal unique to her like things we talk about on this show of just like writing about what is unique about you and your life and finding the funny in those moments and experiences and those points of view is really how you start to find your voice and she she knocked it out of the park so i mean it was yeah yeah, yeah. if uh all around book a comedian please book her she was absolutely hilarious great yeah i want to book her down here the way she delivered some of that stuff, she had that crowd in stitches. It was mm-hmm. it was awesome to watch because because you're right, right, right. Like right beforehand, we're just hanging out. Like you know, me, you, and Andy all know each other, so we're just like do 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 do. But if you haven't seen somebody, you just never know. I mean, I think there was no worries. I had no worries about anybody else who I knew, and I didn't really worry about her. But you just never know in a mm-hmm. crowd. I'm like, we know we're gonna be like fine, right? And then she just knocked it out of the park. It was just awesome to watch. I was like, yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, everyone did. Sweet. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, everybody. So shout out to Love Carolyn it. Xavier based out of Nashville. Very funny. Very, Very worth funny. booking on your shows if yeah. um, if y'all run any, as are we. Sure. As are we. And Andy Gunning. And Gunning Andy is- Gunning as well did great. Yes, Andy Andy always does great. He's He's one of my favorite young comics out here for sure who um has grown a lot i haven't seen him in a while but he's been getting these road reps and you're really starting to see his uh his one-liners grown into full-blown stories it was it was great yeah 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 it's it's fun to watch like someone's bit goes from like a couple of lines to like a five minute bit and it kills all the way through it was it was very cool to watch yeah and i get asked that a good bit about like how do you turn like a one-liner into a, a story or how do you expand a bit? And a lot of it is yeah. like bringing in different points of view, bringing in different characters, bringing in different, like you could think of it in a timeline of like, if I'm talking about a moment in time, what happened in the past that led up to this? 
what would this look like in the future? Like mm -hmm. you really just start to look at it from different angles. And sometimes it's literally like an amalgamation of multiple bits that over time you just doing a lot of sets, you start to find new connections between bits that seemed separate. And that's when you can really start to build what was just maybe like a few punchlines into like this whole bit. Cause you start to find these connections that you can really start to expand the joke with, but they all, they don't start just like, Oh, they have a five minute bit about, you know, cereal. Like it, you know, you have to really work it out. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're solid. Yeah. And Andy, the way Andy created his bit and like, and watching it over the years, he's just figured out how to really get into the details. And then he's added so much performance element to the joke itself which I think is such an important factor on uh, like, it's got layers to it. Like jokes have layers. There's, mm -hmm. there's like the joke part, but there's also like the performance part. There's like tone, there's like, you know, how do you take, how do you make a bit about yourself, a bit about everybody else? Like there's so many different layers that you can do with bits themselves that I think is like very, very cool. So let's get into these preguntas we have coming in, and they are lighting you up, lighting in the live chat up. right now. Oh which my is, god! It's good that it's not me. It's <laughs> good that it's not me getting lit up this time. For those of you listening to the podcast, come on over and join us in the live stream sometime. Get your comedy questions answered. I think you'll have you'll have fun over here. So the first one I'm seeing is from Zach Newford, who says, his question is, how can I edit my material to make it more personal? Mm. Oh, and he's from Miami. He said hi from Miami. What's up, Zach from Miami? Well, welcome to the podcast. Um, I'll, I'll start on this one. So I think really any material that you have, if you don't feel like it's personal um, at the moment, I think one of the very first things that you can just try with your material is to use I statements rather than like the statements, mm -hmm. rather than like, I heard this in the news um, or like I heard about this, say this happened to me or um, this affected me. Like it can be like a news story. Like I went to a school that had a whole bunch of, um, uh women at it now you have a perspective to go to on a joke that you might have about women or i uh uh what's the best way to say this like i'm unorganized and you've got a joke about being an unorganized person just leveraging like i statements i think is a very good way to make your material a bit more personal but also like come from your perspective and on how you feel about it rather than how the world should feel about it. So I think those are just a couple of things that I think you can do to turn any material into more personal stuff, leverage more I statements. Yeah. Starting with the I statements is definitely a good, good way to get into just talking more personally and a little more connected to you. I'm interested. Zach said like editing his material to make it more personal. So, I don't know if he has like existing jokes that that's what he's talking about 
but I mean, just in general, a way to have material that's more personal is talking about personal experiences that are unique to you. This is something like we talk about on here a good bit, but it is another thing of like, if you are, I'm trying to look at it from the editing side though, like the eye experience, like you said, but I don't know if there's a reframing it. Um, so I think from an editing perspective, up. I think Sorry, I'm if you down here on the floor, let me stand no, up. No, I think if you talk about from an editing perspective, like if you've already your jokes and you've already written or whatever, and like you're editing, I think sort of taking it from a perspective on adding emotion into your jokes. Like I feel like, or um, this made me feel like a certain thing will help you make that joke more personal. Like adding emotional to the joke is something that's unique to you. Like anyone can talk about traffic, but if you're like traffic makes me so angry that I do this when I'm in traffic, right? Like that's a whole different perspective than just, oh, traffic is bad, isn't it? That's That means nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so like taking it from the perspective on like your emotional elements or your emotional, what gets you emotionally riled up about it? And it doesn't have to be like angry or it could be happy. What makes you sad? What makes you like, what's weird about it? What What do you find to be unique about it from an emotional standpoint? So I think adding some emotional elements is a good way to post edit any joke that you might already have. Kaboom. I love it. I, I think uh, I think Yoshi kaboom. nailed that one. Kaboom. Kaboom. Now here we go. Um oh and Zach said thanks Yoshi and Joel. Adding I feel statements will help my jokes be much more unique to me. Great tip. Big fan of the pod. Yeah. Ba boom. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what's up, Zach. Thanks for popping in here. And if y'all are watching live and this is your first time, let us know as well. We want to see this show continue to grow so our wives continue to let us do it. So, I don't think I was aware, Joel. The level of roasting is just at an all-time high. That you're getting? Zainova said you borrowed my stash. (laughs) And now my credit score is higher. It's great. It's all right. Don't let these these haters... Let's keep it positive ben here. Poppin'. We're all about being positive. Yeah, I've been popping. The uh, Zeb in our Facebook group, Mr. Zeb Ballantyne, who recently asked about the uh, doing music on stage, and then he went and he uh, headlined. He headlined a gig nice. and did it. So nice. we're seeing these young guns out here, out there getting it, shouty. So Zeb asked. Do you ever send bookers gift cards or presents enticing them to watch your video and book you? If you have, how much Yo. success have you had? Yo, I would say do what you can, Shorty. Whatever makes it, whatever gets their attention, by all means, make it happen. Now, yeah. I don't know if you're going to be upset that they might not book you, but if you feel good about it, try it. See, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing about marketing. Marketing is all about the element of surprise. I don't know too many bookers that get gift cards, but I'm sure they'll at least watch your tape. 
Yeah. <laughs> you I know agree. what I mean? Like it's an attention grabbing thing. Now, if you can afford it and send it to all those people, yeah. Or if you got a hookup and you can just get gift cards or something, then yeah, do what you can. Yep. Or, or even just sending them something personalized as well. Like a yeah. gift card could be one thing, but even just a personalized letter or something to make you stand out from someone just sending a boring link that really shows you're taking this process seriously. Um, I've honestly never heard of someone doing that, but I can't say it would hurt your odds. So I don't think it would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. If you can think of it, it by all means, go make it happen. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. A little bribery can't take care of. Yeah. If you send me a gift card, I'm definitely opening your link. Even if it's from a Nigerian prince, you're saying. Even if it's from a Nigerian prince, I I might I'll put the link through like a security check first if it's from a Nigerian prince. All right, and everyone, don't get mad at me. Yoshi is Nigerian, so <laughs> and a prince. So I want to know. Yes, indeed. Oh, and Sierra said my first time here, but I've been listening to the pod. Nice. Yay, yay. All right, let's keep back. rolling with these questions here. Uh, the well. next one I'm seeing is from Sierran, actually. How do you find the discipline to work hard to improve your writing instead of just writing the same stuff and not improving or diversifying? Mm. I gotta mm. I gotta speak on this first. There's been something yeah, yeah. with Pre me. Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> Let her <laughs> show what's in your heart. Yes. Yes, go from Joel Byers to Joel Osteen. Let me tell you about the good word. Let me tell y'all about the good word. That is writing. I'm the word. Dude, Drybar just posted uh, my Joel Osteen impression. And yeah. someone, they just posted it like today, like a few hours ago. And there was a guy yeah. in the comments saying how it was like, sacrilegious and it was me like making fun of god or whatever and then someone went back at him saying how it was just a joke uh so it was just funny and i think the argument it was a few back and forth and the argument ended with something like have a good day and the other one said have a good brain or something i wish i don't know yeah. i posted about it on my facebook page i did like a, a green screen video about it um breaking down the back and forth but those dry bar comments are, I mean, some people just say not funny. I was like, what is this? What is this? YouTube? This is the, this is the dry bar Facebook page. And even their fans are like, nah, that ain't where it's at. And then I'm sure to reply to all those people. I've replied to oh, every single sure. one of them. Because that's, that's a good use of your time for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Engagement. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I say all that to say, um, a really good interview I just heard was Judd Apatow on the Rich Roll podcast, who Rich Roll is like a one of these high-performance ultra-marathon runners type vibe. But he interviews a lot of cool people, and Judd Apatow was on there. And his point of view about writing is literally, like, if I were to sum it up, I want to write uh, like a like a, a little blog about it for our newsletter. Cause I just wrote one about crowd work that I'm super proud of. And I want to do more stuff like that. But 
if I were to sum it up, it was basically like just right. Like the vast majority of anything you're ever going to write is nonsense. But the difference between like the people who excel at writing and those who don't are literally the ones that just show up. Like he yeah. names all these successful people, all these well-known writers. Literally the difference is they're just willing to sit there and write no matter how much they hate it, no matter how much resistance they're feeling, they're willing to sit down and show up to the page knowing most of what they create is not going to see the light of day. They just understand that is the pain of writing. Oh, like, yeah. He goes into a yeah. lot of good stuff about it, but like, if that were to be like the headline, it really is like just right. Um, and it's true. Like that really inspired me to just show up and just do it. Even if you don't feel like, even if you're not inspired, like just show up and do it. Yeah. I mean, if, if you think about the most successful people in their craft, right? So let's take Jerry Seinfeld, right? <clears throat> Jerry F Seinfeld's regimen. I think he writes like two to three hours a day, right? That is just normal routine. He X's it out every single day just to say, I wrote that day. Really good at his craft. Mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant. He was like, yeah, some people can practice two to three times a week, but what if you practice two to three times, two to three hours a day? It's, it's simply that you're, the reps that you put in puts you at a much more elite level because you've done it, but you're just getting better at it because you keep doing it over and over and over and over again. So the key really with writing and writing block is it doesn't have to inspire you. It can be crap and there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. And there, I mean, and I think a lot of people get into this mindset of, oh, I've got to write the perfect joke. No, you don't. You just got to write. <laughs> the perfect yeah. joke will come over time because you're getting really good at the art of writing jokes. But if you just keep writing and ideas come and uh, you make more patterns, when you start to write later on in your career, you're going to start writing almost at like, you know, a much higher level where you are going to write a joke in one line and you're like, oh, that's ready for prime time. Because that's what you've been doing is writing over and over and over and over again. Yeah, and it's really, it's the, the more you write, the more chances you're giving yourself to find the next great joke. And I think lowering the bar as well to not thinking oh i have to write something funny today it's like no you just have to write something like start with the date on the page yeah. half of half i mean half the time i'm like journaling like i'm not sitting here like yep. oh what's the setup punch funny angle like i'm just yeah. trying to get the juices flowing dude i'm just trying to get the pin moving i'm journaling about how much i don't feel like being here and how much <laughs> I don't like this. Like I'm journaling about the pen I'm using, you know, yeah. I just, I just start. And what helps me and what's been really helping me lately is I, I set a timer. I set a 20 minute timer and it's something in my brain. That's like, Oh, okay. I set this timer. So now for the next 20 minutes, the only thing I'm focusing on is just writing. And if it's just staring yeah. at the page, cause that's something Mark Norman talked about mm -hmm. with advice he got from working with Seinfeld was literally Seinfeld will just show up to the page and just like sit there if he has to. He's like, 
I'm either writing or not doing anything else, but I'm just sitting here with this page. And sometimes he'll just sit there and stare at a line or an idea and not necessarily be writing, but he's in that writing mindset. And it's just showing up, my friends. It's not easy for anyone. Anyone. It's not easy for (laughs) anyone, dude. Like Judd Apatow has to say, fine, I'll go write. Like at <laughs> yes. every level, we're having to force ourselves to do this. Every but level. Christopher yeah. Titus has one of my favorite quotes on writing where he said, I hate writing, but love having written. Mm. And that yeah. really, I mean, that really just hits home to me. It's the same with working out. I hate, does yep. anybody like, I mean, there's some, I know some people that like working out, but you always feel good afterwards. Yep. <laughs> I, always. I love the feeling of, oh, I worked out. <laughs> yeah, so, I've never yeah. regretted like writing. I've never been like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm always like, oh, yeah. yeah. And that's why we have the Right 10 Club in our Facebook group where Hop Rether, Bobby Sutton, she posts a new word in there every day and people write a joke and give each other feedback. It's just an mm-hmm. accountability for people to show up and at least write something for the day and write hold anything. accountability and to just connect with other people who are, they conquered that just mountain of, all right, I'll write today, even if it's just for 10 minutes, but it's a really good exercise that we do every, uh, every day at 10 AM and every evening at 10 PM with, uh, Imre, Imre does the right 10 after dark. And then Bobby does the right 10 in the mornings. So yeah, it's a great exercise. I haven't done the nighttime ones, but I do the morning ones mm. and I'm yeah. not perfect I in every once in a while. Yep. I do the same I thing I pop in every once in a while, but yeah, you That's won the I'm other doing. day, didn't you? I did. I won uh, yesterday, I believe it was. Not to brag. You know, <laughs> not to brag. Boy, one right 10 club. Y'all got to get in there. Y'all want to get some. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, great. And Sierra said, great answer. That's all I needed to hear. I'm 19. Feel if I discipline myself into just writing every day and showing up to the page, I can improve until I'm proud. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. do it in the, our Facebook group. If y'all aren't in the Facebook group yet, go join that because you'll meet other like minded comedians and writers and really get accountability and get new ideas and inspiration for your own writing. So definitely worth it. Great uh, question of those, Sierra. And I would definitely recommend that Judd Apatow video with a rich role, the podcast. It's about a quarter of the way through, they get deep into writing. Yeah, it's worth it's worth a listen, and you know, up until we get Judd on the pod, <laughs> it's worth a let's listen until we get Judd. Let's go, let's go. Talking to you, Judd Apatow. Let's go. It's time, J U D D. Judd, you're on my vision board. Yeah, Judd Apatow's on my vision board. You're right there, Judd. Vision board, Judd. Vision board, Judd. Yeah. It's if time. anybody got a hookup, got a hookup to the Apatows, holla at, your, holla at the kids. It's Let time. us know. Well, when he was younger, he would just interview a bunch of comedians and like reach out to his favorite comics, and then he started interviewing them. And that's what oh, uh, that's a great book that Joel that uh, Judd Apatow book is actually really good about his history and how he used to uh, call oh, sick in, in the head. Radio. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, for sure. All right, so. Let's keep it moving here. Next question we're seeing here in the live chat, which for listening to the podcast, you're going to hear me again say we do this every Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. 
So let's get into the next one with Oblong Services. Now, it's a question, but I think he's trying to make a joke. Do you think God stays in heaven because he's too afraid of what he created? Sorry, I saw the question and it was too late. I thought it was a question, and then I started talking. Um, no, it's like, they can't all be winners. That's true, but hey, you know what? He showed up and he wrote. <laughs> Oblong Services showed up and he wrote. See, it's not all going to be good, y'all. Case it's not all going to be great. <laughs> uh, Jerry Kroll, did you find that your stage voice is a version of your personality? The headliners I work with are usually different one-on-one -on -one than they are on stage. Mm. That's a I good mean, question. I think it's different for... It's such a array, I would say, in what I found in working with headliners and being a head, I mean, just working with comedians in general. Uh, some people enjoy having the same presence they have off stage as they do on stage. And some people kind of just go into a character when they're on stage. There's not one way or the other that works better. It's just what you're comfortable with. Um, I'm definitely more comfortable, at least me personally, having my stage voice be very similar to my um, my stage voice. Like, I like talking on stage as if though just hanging out with friends. And that, for me, makes the joke come off a bit more authentic. Just for me, right? Not, not It's not for everyone. but um, So I like to do that. But I know some great comedians that they are a completely different character on stage. Larry the Cable Guy, completely different character on stage. Mm -hmm. Off stage, not that guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not him. Uh, but it's hilarious, right? So... I think it's just what you gravitate towards and what feels, I would say, what feels natural for you in the way that you want to perform. At the end of the day, we're performers. We're performing. Now, if you're performing more to who you are offstage, great. If you're performing to something completely different, also great. As long as you're authentic on that performance piece, then I think that's what works. Yeah, and the authenticity is key there. And definitely something that if someone's listening to this, and thinking, oh, they want to get closer to their voice. So they want to get closer to how they're funny offstage onto stage in that natural way. Then just start paying attention to when you're getting laughs offstage. Like if you're getting a laugh mm. in conversation, if you're getting a laugh in line at the grocery store, like what did you do? Did you say something in a certain way? Did you have a certain facial expression? Is there a certain topic you talk about a lot? that you seem to get some good sillies out of not even trying to be funny. You're just yeah. organically funny in these moments, talking about these things and saying them in a certain way, just being aware of that. You can then start to translate that onto stage over years, not to burst your bubble there, but it's literally like years of here's where I want to be. Here's who I want to be, how I want to be on stage. So actually closing that gap is a lot of stage time. But awareness is where it starts, and you can gradually start working towards it, and you'll get to it a lot quicker with that self-awareness. So it all starts with setting the intention and then putting yep. in the repetition to get it. Yeah. 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 Boom. Ka-boom. Great question, though, there. Great question there, Jerry, because it does. It, yep. 
it all just depends. There's kind of, there's no one way in this. It's just, it's finding your way. And it just requires some repetition and stage time. But y'all will get there. We believe in you. And I mean, we're still working on it. I've interviewed people 30 years into the game saying they're still working on it. So it's, it's a, it's a never ending for all of us. Finding your voice on stage doesn't stop. So anyone who's like, oh, I need to find my quickly find my voice, just know it's a never-ending thing. Over the years, I have personally found the more personal that I connect with the material, the better the material is for me. Um, so for, for having done it for so many years, I think like when I first started, I was just trying to find funny. And now it's mm-hmm. like, what do I find funny about this? And what makes me like think about how funny it is like and i remember like maybe the first two years of comedy i would just take notes like joel mentioned of everything that i found funny i was like why was that funny and then try to figure out what was like the triggering point of why that was funny and i never did that before but when i started comedy i started taking note of why i found that funny and now it's like i know where it is and now i also know how to like tap into it so it's a it's a work in progress for sure. Yep. Indeed. I think uh, Jeff Foxworthy said when I interviewed him, he noticed when he would do his voice up like this, it would start to get a <laughs> laugh. So now if you watch Jeff Foxworthy, you see he uses that as a part of his overall onstage persona. So, yeah, it, yeah these little these little idiosyncrasies about you can be exaggerated into comedic effect as well. For sure. Uh, Bobby's saying, I enjoy your comedy. Are you doing any shows in Atlanta? He may come to Atlanta, says Bobby. Mm. Yeah. I'm doing, uh, at the end of August, um, there's a new comedy club that Griff, Griff is opening. Oh. Right outside of Atlanta. Nice. That, um. 24th through the 26th, I'll be headlining there. And uh, I need dope. a feature. So if you're available, Yoshi. Uh, I might be, brother. I might then be. Um, we both may be on that show. But that would be a good one to come to because it's a headlining set. So it'll be a lot longer. And it won't have a yeah. mustache. So it'll go well. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay. Zaynova. <laughs> I have an open mic tonight. I want to try a story about how I snuck weed into Iraq. Mm. Is that too risky doing stories at mics? I don't think they are. I don't think it is. I think it's completely okay to do stories at mics. I think the big thing about doing the story, I always say when you first start doing comedy and you're doing open mics, you're really like starting out like at draft one, right? I've got this idea. I've got this uh, premise and I'm gonna try it out on stage. I think one thing if you're if you've been doing a little bit longer is like maybe get to like draft two, three, and four before you say it on stage. Like I know a lot of comedians who have started this out and they will just go with the first thing that they write and just go on stage. And I think it's good to just edit like edit yourself before you take it on stage, especially stories, 
because stories you may think are like, oh, I'm gonna just tell the story, but man, it doesn't, if it doesn't have any jokes, punchlines, and it's just like you talking about what had happened was, and mm -hmm. then I saw, like, it's just gonna go on. And then next thing you know, your five minutes are gonna be over and you never got to the punchline of the joke. So I would just say, try to edit down as much as possible before telling stories on stage. Yeah, if you're going into it thinking you're about to tell a five minute story about selling or sneaking weed into Iraq, sum it up in a minute. Like do 90 seconds. Like don't be like, oh, I'm gonna do this whole story arc in five minutes. Like start even 30 seconds. There's just one joke about it you think of or one part of it that you think is the funniest and really build it out piece by piece. But yeah, I mean, if it's too risky for mics or not, I mean, at the end of the day, it's your time on stage. If you're jazzed about it and you want to do it and then you do it and then you immediately remember Joel and Yoshi on this live stream, say maybe <laughs> do it one bite at a time. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. it, you do you, boo. You know, we're not here to tell you what's right or wrong. We're just here to give you our professional opinion. So for, for. in our professional opinion, yeah, I would say if you think it's a five minute story, can you tell the best parts in a minute and kind of just feel it out from there? And just start mm. to build it out because yeah stories are different in person than on stage like it's a totally different and i think storytellers are so natural on stage that comics will see someone like a mike berbiglia or like a christopher titus and think oh they're just talking but it's it's like you know it's uh, hundreds of sets of them repping out these stories bert kreischer said the machine story took him like six or eight years or something to write like to yeah. get it like stage right to what you hear today like storytelling is not just let's go up there and talk and figure it out i know christopher titus's approach is he writes the story out word for word and then every detail of the story is a setup for a punchline that's how he said mm. he writes stories because he murders stories. i haven't seen him in a minute but I, he used to come through the atlanta punchline a good bit yeah. He murders. I watched his last special on YouTube oh. that he did during the pandemic, and it is killer. He hasn't lost a step. Uh, it was yeah, phenomenal. I mean, I don't yeah. want to say he's underrated because he has clearly has a killer fan base and he sells out everywhere he goes. And he's yeah. created he's very prolific. He has so many specials. Yeah. But all that being said, like, yeah, he still doesn't come up in conversation a lot of times of like comedians that are really out here, just killing it at a high level. He's yo. He <laughs> yeah. As a storytelling comedian, he is one yes. of the most prolific. Christopher Titus is a prolific storytelling comedian. Dude. You're and right. He shows in his process of like every line, every detail is like the setup for a punchline. Mm -hmm. Like when you hear his stories, it's like, there's no build up. There's no like, well, let me build up the tension to release it. Cause I'm an artist. He's like, here's a story, but boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Those are back in the days. I'd got, I just go sit in the back of the punchline with a, uh, a clicker. I had one of these like clickers. Mm -hmm. That like count numbers people will like count the crowds with. I just be sitting in the back of the punchline, just like clicking it every time the comic got a laugh, and I just be back there like counting laughs, yo, and, like, averaging them out. That's killer, though. <laughs> I mean, that's so like. Here's the thing: I I do that. I've never even thought about bringing a clicker. I think that's solid, though. Yeah, 
I mean, we did that when we were doing the, the we were when we were doing the Netflix reviews, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Was, I was doing, I was doing that. I mean, I was doing it like on paper, but yeah, man, it's kind of it's a beautiful thing to watch, like someone. And then there's times when I'll watch somebody. I remember watching um, George Wallace at the Punchline, mm-hmm. and like I was paying attention to how many laughs, but then like how long those laughs lasted was like some next level stuff i never seen i was like oh my god like this guy is getting laughs inside of laughs inside of laughs it was like layered laughter Mm -hmm. like prolific level stuff off of jokes that he just wrote (laughs) i was like good god yeah (laughs) Uh, and that's that's another one he's like up there with a legal he's like up there with a yellow notepad like he's writing this guy doesn't need he has a vegas residency he's printing money he doesn't need to do this, and he still does. Like, that's money. I think young comics at a certain point are like, oh, but it's easy for them, like because they're so and so. It's like Judd Apatow. You would assume he just writing is just part of who he is, and it is because he's like forged that over decades. But mm-hmm. even now, he has to force himself to write, and even now, most of what he writes does not see the light of day. So. I think that's very encouraging for like a younger comic or even a comic like us of it's like a working comic that's like, oh, okay, so it's difficult because it's supposed to be. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yeah. that's the reality of it's the reality of the game. All right. So next question, and we can start to run through them a little bit here. This one is from Jeremy Dooley. Hey legends. Yeah. Hey, legends. Legends. Let's go. I'm with it. That's the first person that hasn't roasted us. He's out here. Hey, legends. He says, uh, playing some shows in another country. What are some of the things you look? Wait, let me get closer. What are some of the things you think about or do to make sure your material translates in a different market? Hmm. I mean, for me, I mean, even if you just think of different markets, first off, locally, I mean, if I'm performing in front of an all white crowd and then an all black crowd, I'm always mindful to make sure whatever I'm talking about will translate to both of them. Like, I'm always, I want to make sure what I do at a college will work at a church, will work at a fundraiser, will work at, you know, a Tuesday night show at an Irish pub. And that's, for me, that's talking about my life and what's personal and unique about me and what I find funny personally, or what my funny point of view on a certain thing is. So that just seems to translate to all the different crowds, at least in America. I've only performed, I performed in Japan and that was on a military base. So that was still Americans. So I don't really have a point of reference. I have heard Nate Bargatze say, he just does like his stuff. Like he just does his jokes and it works. Now he also admitted it's because he also has a built-in fan base. So if they're coming to see him, they're yeah. already on board with the Nate train. So yeah. if you're just going over there and it's a, uh, you know, a strangers in the audience could be a different game. But I think if you're talking about you and your life, I think it translates because it's, it's universal humanity, you know? Yeah, I think the personal stuff translates much easier 
when you do other regions, other countries, or wherever that's different than what you're used to. I always say, try to take out anything that is like regionally focused, right? Mm. Like if you've got a joke about Atlanta, right? Like it's gotta be something that everyone knows about Atlanta. But if you go into like the difference, but you know, I'm just using Atlanta as an example. If you go in the difference between like ITP versus OTP, not everyone that is outside of Atlanta knows what that is, right? So you just gotta be careful about making referential jokes because not everybody is going to, sorry, not referential, regional jokes, because not everybody's gonna get it. Um, I also think it's important to be careful about references as well in your joke. Like if you make reference to a television show that not everybody has watched or that's not that popular, you might lose people because they're trying to follow, oh, what show is that, right? I also say like one thing that I have found um, is I've seen like young comics will have like five minute bits on Tinder or like online dating, but they're doing it in front of a crowd that is like all married. And maybe like after the first joke, it was like funny, but another four minutes on it, they just don't get it. They have no reference to what that is or how that life is. So I think you got to find a way to like go into maybe the joke as I'm having a tough dating time versus here's what I see on Tinder. So just something to think about. Yeah. Being aware of, yeah, who's in the audience can help add a little context or what they're laughing at uh, yeah. for the other comedians that are on the show. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's important. I mean, our show this weekend, I made fun of the people in the crowd for their age because they were all older. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, this I can do this because I know what I'm looking at. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't make I could never make like a TikTok <laughs> joke in that because they're probably like, what is a TikTok kind of thing? You know what I'm saying? So I think it's just super important to to your point. You got to see your crowd and know, well, maybe they're not going to be all too into these Tinder jokes that I've got 15 minutes on. Yeah. Good question, though, there, Jeremy. Let us know how those gigs go. Yeah. For but sure. also, you got to test stuff out. It's okay just to test stuff out, too. You just never mm -hmm. know what people will be into. But, yeah, test it out and see. The, the audiences will let you know. <laughs> yeah. Pashow. Pashow, Pashow. All right. Looks like we got like two more here. Spedhead Legend. asks, Legend. what are your I feelings like on using props on stage? Oh, and we have Use Bobby them. Sutton as well. I think I, I lent to Facebook, not YouTube. Sorry. Sorry. I cut you off there. We'll get you no, next, no, no, Bobby. You um, what, what were you saying there? You're saying use them? Yeah. Use them. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the answer. Just use them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like, care. I mean, it, it's just got to be comedy. funny. It's yeah. just got to be funny. It's funny. Exactly. I don't care. Yeah. Same thing we talked about music before when Zeb asked about using music on stage. I mean, yeah. Whatever you find funny, yeah, go for it. Dude, I knew this comic in Atlanta that had a prosthetic leg and took it off in the middle of the set. Hilarious. Yeah. It was the funniest thing. I mean, oh and it was part of a joke. It was part of a joke, and it was just, I was dying when he did it, but hilarious. it was hilarious. Yeah, go for it there, there, Spedhead. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Sutton, just found out I'm going back on chemo for the fifth time. Oh, my heavens. 
how to make how do I make anger funny? How do I make chemo funny? Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> I it, it it is a good question. So like I think it's one of those things that I think you tap into the actual emotion that you are feeling. I think it's important to tap into that emotion, but it's also important to like let us know what that feels like. The jokes I think will come based on what you want to say, right? Like if you're angry about chemo, like let us know about that. Like how angry are you? Like take us through that journey of how angry are you? Like we don't know what that is. Not everybody knows what that is. So tell us like how angry that makes you and obviously like put a punchline in there. And I think people will resonate with it because people know other people that have gone through this. So I think it's still about finding a punchline in the joke, right? Just sharing that it is, but really like go into that emotion. And I think you'll find a lot of funny. And I think it is going to kill because I know tons of people that know people that have been in chemo. I know people that have been in chemo. So I think it's just about finding that uh, punchline in the joke itself. But man, I think that would completely kill in a club. Yeah. And I think it will also start with not necessarily trying to write anything funny about chemo, yeah, but just write honest about what about chemo makes you angry. Yeah. Like what about chemo may be funny to you or what is your unique point of view on chemo? I think a great place to start is literally, yeah, just like journaling about chemo. It's your fifth time. So you clearly have a lot of different experiences. You can just kind of free write about it. And through mm -hmm. that and getting all these ideas in your head out onto the page will really help you to start pinpointing the ones that may be worth pursuing more. But I think starting from just a serious place of just general writing about the topic will then give you the foundation to start digging deeper on certain aspects of it. Yeah. And even like the differences between the first, the second, third, fourth, fifth, like what was that like? And sort of just going through that journey as well. I think people will really resonate with that. That's, that's, I am praying for you, Bobby. I know that's mm. not a fun thing, but mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to the conversations that you have on stage about it because that sounds hilarious. Absolutely. All right. Um, oblong services. Do you guys use any drugs or alcohol when writing? I've started getting myself drunk before writing. I, I mean, I, it's just, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope, kids. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. If you start, you start getting high before every show you do, or you're like, oh, I need a few drinks to loosen up before my show. It, well, one, it gets expensive. Mm, and facts. two, it gets habitual and yeah. it becomes a crutch. Mm. And I mean, don't you like, I don't, I mean, even, I mean, I don't drink anymore, but even when I did any brewery show I did where like I had a drink beforehand, mm -hmm. if it went well, I'd be like, oh, but it's because I drank. It's not because <laughs> it's not because I'm funny. You know, if it didn't go well, I'd be like, oh, it's because I drank. Like, I don't know. I just never liked <laughs> the I. Yeah, I just never liked the feeling. I mean, performing requires so much just attention and you like you're using every sense you have 
Like you're yeah. using all five and then some to really perform at a high level. So anything you do that can alter that, it's uh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not I, a good look. I'm probably going to say similar stuff, but I think one important factor is to just do it in moderation, right? Like I'm, I'm okay with people drinking on shows. If like that is what gets you loose and gets you to perform by all means, go ahead and do it, but don't do it to the point where it becomes a crutch where you have to do it to perform or where you have to be in the same state as you were uh when you were writing the jokes i think it's just all about being in moderation right because you just want to be able to actually perform the jokes so if that requires you know a little drink i mean sure but a little toke you, a little bunch toke. of tokers <laughs> but can you do it without Pothead. it like, <laughs> Vapors. Do you do it without it? Do you always have to be under the influence to perform? Which then gets super expensive because if you're going up every single night and you got to drink every single night just so you could perform, you're that's a that's a nice little bill. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, I think it's about just being in moderation around it and, yeah, and being very aware that it is going to alter your mental state. Mm -hmm. um, so. I just think you got to be super aware of how that makes you feel and how that affects your creativity for sure. Yeah. And I guess now that I'm looking at his question, he was referring to writing material under oh, the influence, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, it applies mm -hmm. either way though. I mean, it, it applies either way. Yeah. 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 It applies for writing and performing. Um, sure. but at the end of the day, Hey, you do you boo. You, yeah. You want to yeah, get yeah. lit, go on stage, go for it. But I've, <laughs> I'm doing this long enough to see it is a people get away with it, of course, but I've seen a lot more people not get away with it, especially in the long term. If you want this to be your career, it's kind of like if you want this to be a job, you got to treat it like a job. And it's like, you know, you know, I'm sure people get high and drunk before work and stuff, but it's it's you do you boo. I don't, I'm not the narc here. I can't say I haven't done my fair share of on stage mistakes. <laughs> or woken up the next day after writing under the influence thinking I just created the next amazing bit. And then I read it the next day and I'm like, I'm going back to enterprise rent a car. This doesn't even make sense. I'm quitting comedy. <laughs> it, 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 any experience I've had with that, it, it always took more than it gave. I'll say the mm. ROI on it, uh, was not worth it in the long run for me. All right. Look at, you, look at you using acronyms. Look at us. <laughs> so let's, uh, that's return on investment, my friends. <laughs> or is what you're getting out worth what you put in? Or is what you put in worth what you're getting out? Um, all right. So maybe we're on to the last one here. This is okay. Chris Unknown. Yeah. This is a fun one. Chris asks, and let me just make sure I'm not uh, missing. All right. So he said, do jokes have to be personal nowadays versus early Steve Martin silliness? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I think the reality is comedy overall has become a bit more personal. Just, I mean, without a doubt, I think there is just a lot more comedy and comedians who 
have specials and uh, comedy albums really that are about themselves and their character and who they are and the stuff that they've been through. Um, and I'm not saying that that's like the only type of comedy that is sort of happening, but I would say definitely more personal stuff is much more popular today. But at the same time, man, I think silly comedians still have a space in the comedy universe. I mean, uh, Carrot Top hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> he's still making money. <laughs> I mean, he still has a residence. He's still doing jokes. So I think it's just about what you find and the kind of audience that sort of loves what you do. If you're able to kind of go into that, um, I think it's important just to find what works for you. Yeah, whatever's authentic. Like the thing with Steve Martin was he was kind of a breath of fresh air. It was a very political time. Comedy was very serious and very like political and edgy. And he came in and threw up the contrary to that popular style of comedy. So with comedy being so serious and political and personal yeah. right now, people may mm -hmm. be looking for you may be a breath of fresh air if you just want to be like kind of a silly goose. You know, if it's authentic to you, take a swing. Go for it. Try it out. Have fun with it. You know, it's whatever is authentic to you and you enjoy doing, the audience will then enjoy watching. If you're enjoying it, the audience will reflect that same sentiment. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, DC Rant said she sent something, but I don't see it. Um, I feel like we just so, been, I've been roasted all day. Now We've you know how I felt on all these other live streams. <laughs> uh, but Cinema Quirk said, if you become a regular at a club, should you start traveling until they call you to do a spot like open for someone or should you stay local? I, I mean, if, if you can travel travel i mean get on the road get out of your comfort zone start getting in front of different audiences i think for sure if you can travel and oh, yeah. if you're already booked the club is like oh they're like oh they're working like oh, oh. okay so th this comic's actually working so they're worth booking so we're gonna keep them top of mind because other people are booking them so we like it, it it really almost like legitimizes you even more if you're booked on the road it is so that is so true it's marketing if people realize you are busy and you're hard to get a hold of, it gives them the impression that you're doing the thing more than anything else. And it works like at the end of the day, I mean, I remember a com comedian telling me even like in New York at some of the hottest clubs that simply like sticking around doesn't help you out. Like they want to know that you've got another gig lined up over and over and over and over again. Like, it's just important to truly like just be working and do the work. So, uh, I think when, if, if you're doing out of town gigs, do as many of those as possible, uh, because it helps you stay active. Uh, like we were talking about our buddy, Andy Gunnan, that dude is all over the country. He's doing like, He's got a bed in his car, like he's just making it happen, but he's getting reps in. And the important part of comedy is to get as many reps in as possible. That's how you get good. Stage time 
is stage time. Yes. And let's uh, let's end on this one because this is a good one here. Joseph Munoz. Uh, I've been signing up for new talent night at Comedy Works. Very nice. Nice. Uh, over in Denver there. Which we just met a comic at um at our show from Colorado Springs. Yeah, sure did. Moved to Atlanta. Um, so he said they give you two minutes for newbies. I'm reworking a solid bit that's about five minutes into that two minute time frame. How do you guys approach the small amount of time? So basically, how do you make the most of a two minute set at a comedy club? For sure. Um, I I think one of the things that I do with uh, most of my jokes that are story-based is I have a short version of the joke, I have a long version of the joke, and I have like a headline version of the joke if I wanna take that joke into like a story, like a long story. So it's really about breaking down that joke into can you do almost like the ESPN highlight reel of that joke that hits all the good points can you do a five minute version of that joke? And is there an even longer version of the joke? So I would say just try to hit the highlights of whatever joke you're reworking into what's the most important thing that people need to know about that joke that still hits the funny parts. Um, and how do you shorten that? Because at the end of the day, those are the jokes that like, I would say are like television ready, uh, right? Cause that TV, time like there's people who do albums and then they get on tv they only get five minutes so they got to turn that big bit of material into like just smaller condensed type stuff but they've done that before and so it's practicing short version almost like a small medium large version of your bits i think is an important practice yeah i really enjoyed uh the guy that booked us on the show we did this weekend uh derek tennant he used to do a comedy contest where every comic got three minutes and it was a really good exercise of just exercise. condense it down to just, all right, this joke has four right. tags. What is the best one tag? And like being <laughs> yeah. honest with yourself, it's a great, great, I would always, I would do it a lot because it was such a great editing exercise, if anything, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so if you're doing it at a club, one, they're looking for, like, how funny are you? They're not looking for you to go up there and, like, banter with the audience for the first 30 seconds and then get into material. <laughs> if you have two minutes, it's like, hit them with your best joke and go from there and do material that's really going to make you stand out. Like, yeah. if every comedian has, like, a Tinder joke, it's like, you know, maybe don't do your Tinder joke unless it's just <laughs> super different from everyone else, but you really want to perform and do material that they're like, oh, okay, this comic is different type yes. deal. Yeah. You're going to stand out because you're funny and also the content you're talking about is different and it's unique to you. Mm. Yeah, personality. Yes. I love it. Cool. Well, uh, let's land this plane. What do you say? Mm. Land the plane. Yes. So here we go. We do this every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. 5 p.m. Eastern time. It's a live stream we do in our Facebook group and on our YouTube channel. A big topic today was writing consistently. 
And in our Facebook group, we do a daily joke writing contest to help you do just that. So if you're not a member yet, go join that. And don't forget to book Yoshi and I on your gigs. Have a good day, y'all. Bye. Hot breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.